Our scripture today comes from Isaiah. And this is a verse that we looked at in a Sunday school lesson a couple of weeks ago. This is Isaiah chapter 49, verse 8, and it is in your bulletin, and it's also in your Bible. If you find it in your bulletin or your Bible, just say amen. amen. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. This is what the Lord says. At just the right time, I will respond to you. And on the day of salvation, I will help you. I will protect you and give you to the people as my covenant with them. Though you will, through you, I will reestablish the land of Israel and assign it to his own people again. There is a word from the Lord today, and after this selection from our choir, I am pleased to give it to you in a teaching that I'm entitled, The Redemptive Journey from Bondage to Freedom. The Redemptive Journey from Bondage to Freedom. Thank you. 
Amen. Only a look. Only a look. Amen. Amen. Brother Stroud, it is good to see you. Amen. Healing and recuperative powers. Amen. Cannot keep a good man down. It is good to see you. It is good to see you. Ushers, you can be excused. Thank you so much for your service. Give them a Holy Ghost round of applause. And choir, thank y'all. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Pray with me, please. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, for you are my rock and my redeemer. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that I pray. Let us all say amen, amen. and amen. So, Sister Kathy told you a little bit about Juneteenth. I want to tell you a little bit more. It was 1863, and the war, the Civil War in these United States was raging. The North, with its manufacturing power, was in a stalemate with the South, a quiet mind. Nobody was winning, nobody was losing. And there was fear in Washington that the South would win and the Union would be broken. President Lincoln understood that fear, and he also understood that the South had an advantage. And that advantage was that slaves, slaves were a primary economic and military advantage for them. He knew that when the Southern men went off the war, guess what? The slaves stayed on the plantation and tended the plantation. And the slaves also made stuff. They made everything from uniforms to bullets. Slaves were even employed on the battlefield as Southern soldiers used them. And a Confederate army that if they won, would keep them enslaved. Now, if you read the 1619 Project, which I highly recommend, Abraham Lincoln was not keen on freeing the slaves. The book chronicles an 1862 meeting that he had with leading black folks of the day, including Frederick Douglass, where he proposed shipping all black folks, all black folks, slave and non-slave, to Africa. The reaction by Frederick Douglass and others to this plan was incredulous. How could President Lincoln take us away from our homeland, these United States of America? So by 1863, Lincoln had no choice. To win the war, he had to strip the South of his economic and military advantage. And that economic and military advantage were the slaves. The Emancipation Proclamation issued on January 1st, 1863, 
freed the enslaved people of the Confederacy. However, as we learned earlier today, the enforcement of the Emancipation Proclamation was the thing that made it work. Mm -hmm. And the enforcement was done by Union soldiers. Mm -hmm. Now the Union soldiers didn't get around to enforcing it in Texas because there was only a limited amount of Union soldiers. Now that all changed on June 19, 1865, when General Gordon Granger and his troops landed in Galveston, Texas. Two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation freed the slaves. Those slaves in Texas were finally freed and they had started their redemptive journey from bondage to freedom. Now, for 70 years, from 598 BC to 538 BC, now I know that's a little confusing. The BC times before Christ, they, they they, they counted backwards. And the, in, the, in the time after Christ, we count forward. The Jews were in detention. I said detention. Let me be clear. The Jews were in slavery in Babylon. Biblical scholars agree that several deportations took place. And not all the Jews were forced to leave their homeland. What they did was they took the best and the brightest and took them into captivity. I wonder sometimes how many of us would have been in that best and brightest group. So to a great extent for those 70 years, not only the slaves in Babylon were in captivity, but also the Jews in Israel were in captivity because the best and brightest were took from them. Now the captivity finally ended in 538 when the Persian conqueror, a person by the name of Cyrus the Great, gave the Israelites permission to go back. For the Jewish slaves, their redemptive journey from bondage to freedom started there. Now the text that we're studying today. The text that we're studying today, Isaiah chapter 49, verse eight, tells of a redemptive journey from bondage to freedom. And this redemptive journey can be told for both the American and the Israelite slave. This is what the Lord said. At just the right time, at just the right time, I will respond to you. On the day of salvation, I will help you I will protect you and give you the people as my covenant with them. Now, the journey from freedom, the journey from bondage, as I say, to freedom is ongoing. The journey from bondage to freedom is ongoing. Every single day, some of us are in that bondage. 
We journey from bondage to freedom. We journey from bondage to from to being addicted to drugs. We journey from bondage to freedom because of sex trafficking. We journey from bondage to freedom because of sickness that may rack our bodies. We journey from bondage to freedom because of alcoholism. We journey from bondage to freedom because we're in debt. We journey from bondage to freedom for so many different reasons. But here's the thing. God wants us to have more than liberation from our bondage. God wants us to prosper. God wants us to have peace. And God wants us to have redemption. Now, what is redemption? Redemption is a state better than we had it before. Uh Uh Isaiah. 49 and 8 reminds us not only of God's salvation from bondage, but it reminds us of God's covenant of redemption. God wants us to live free to achieve the full possibilities of our lives. God is always working for our freedom and for our redemption. No matter how long it takes. So as we celebrate Juneteenth, we need to rejoice and praise God for it is God who has been our rock. It is God who has been our salvation. It is God who has been our strength and shield. It is God who has protected us on our redemptive journey from bondage to freedom. Yes, yes. You see, in Isaiah 49.8, God says, I will protect you. Mm-hmm. And I will give you a covenant. Yes. As we know, what is a covenant? A covenant is a promise. Yes. A promise of God. God is promising his protection. Yes. God is promising his guidance. Mm-hmm. God is promising his love. I believe in all of my heart that fatherhood is a covenant. It is a covenant from God for his protection. Mm -hmm. It is a covenant from God for his guidance. Mm -hmm. It is a covenant from God for his love. Now, Father's Day, just like Mother's Day, is a day of emotion. It's a day of emotions. Yes, it is. Some of those emotions are sweet, mm-hmm. and some of those emotions are bitter. All right, all right. And on this emotional day, I want to take a point of personal privilege and talk about my father all right, all right. as we glorify God's covenant of fatherhood. It has been 23 years since my dad, Benjamin Franklin Bland, died. And with the totality of his passage and the fact that time has moved on, I believe I've come to understand God's covenant of fatherhood more fully. And it was taught to me by a father who loved me so much 
that now I realize I see heaven in his eyes. What I've come to know about God's covenant of fatherhood is that God loves us not because we are perfect, but because God loves us because we know we can do better. I remember my father telling me, son, you're too dumb to lie. Because you can't remember your lie. And you may not even remember the truth. In Jeremiah 29.11, the Lord declares that he has plans for us. Plans for us to prosper. Not to harm us, but plans for a hope and a future. That's what the covenant of fatherhood is all about. What I've come to know that in God's covenant of fatherhood, that he loves and trusts us. Remember in song eight, which I talked about last week, God has put us in charge of everything. The sun, the moon, the stars, the plants, the animals, and all the things that swim in the ocean. God has given us that stewardship because God trusts us. I remember my father trusted me with the keys to his car. He trusted me so much with the keys to his car that one time he decided that coming back from college, that I would not have a curfew because he figured out that, you know, look at his grades. <laughs> he was staying out all night anyway. <laughs> so he decided that I would not have a curfew, but the car would have a curfew. <laughs> he trusted me with the car until the car broke curfew. And then the car was grounded. What I have come to know is that God's covenant of fatherhood is that God's love is redemptive. John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave us his only son. Whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. But here's the thing. God wants us to have that everlasting life, believe it or not, right here on earth. Because when we live as God wants us to live, then we'll have paradise right here on earth. And all of the terrible things that may happen to us God's redemptive powers will help us. Whether or not we were in a hospital a couple of weeks ago having surgery, but we're right back now on the keyboard. Whether or not we got knocked down because our spouse of so many years has now gone on to glory. Whether or not we didn't have a relationship at all with an earthly father. God has put his redemptive powers within us and given us Jesus as a role model that we can emulate. Amen. Amen. 
The everlasting life of God is to be lived while we are still on earth as we live the ways of Jesus. So I have been a dad now for 33 years. My son, Chandler, who you will get to meet one of these days, he and his wife and their five children are spending June and part of July in Michigan. And so I've been a father now for 33 years. His birthday was last week. In fact, here's the interesting thing. His birthday and his wife's birthday are the same day, June 15th. (laughs) And then put on top of that, they got married on June 15th. So they have something they call an anniversary or something like that, (laughs) where they celebrate their birthday and also anniversary on the same day. So for 33 years, I have been a father. For 12 of those years, I have been a grandfather. My oldest granddaughter is 12. And 10 of my fatherhood years was spent with my father being the grandpa as he bounced my son on his knee. Mm -hmm. My father said, son, watch it now. The time is going to go fast. And my father, and I guess all of you know, it's right. Time goes what? Time goes fast. Because this young son, me, this whippersnapper, this young son who thought he was full of all things that I can't mention right now. His young son is now an old grandpa. However, as the years have gone by, and I celebrate another Father's Day with the fond, fond memories of my dad. I am certain of one thing, and that is God's covenant of fatherhood is real. God's covenant of fatherhood is solid. God's covenant of fatherhood is enduring. Because Jesus told us in Matthew 28, 20, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. So on this day of twin celebrations, where we celebrate Juneteenth, And we're also celebrating Father's Day. In your redemptive journey from bondage to freedom, Mm -hmm. do you have Jesus with you? Is Jesus part of your redemptive journey from bondage to freedom? Because we all have bondages. We are all journeying from bondage to freedom. Is God with you? Mm -hmm. Are you still in bondage to sin? Mm -hmm. Now let me be clear. Even though we are saved, sin is still part of our lives. Mm -hmm. But because we are saved, we are not in bondage to sin. Mm -hmm. If you want to be free, 
then what I'd like for you to do is pray with me, please. Father, I am a sinner in bondage. I ask you to come and set me free, giving me a new life in you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Let us all say amen, 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 and amen. Now, very simple. If you prayed that prayer with me, now you are saved. However, what God wants you to do is this. God wants you to publicly acknowledge him. You, can, you can't be saved quietly. You have to publicly acknowledge that God has saved you and you are now on his team. Because if you don't, here's what's going to happen. Your saving, your being saved will be attacked by the devil and the devil will come and get you. And you will backslide. That's just the way it is. So in a few moments, I will ask those here in the church to come and give me your hand and guard your heart. However, if you're looking at us online or if you're listening to a recording and we're recording this message and this service today, so soon I'll tell you how to access the recordings that we've been making. Um, here's what I'd like for you to do. You can give me a call. My telephone number is 608-358-1309 at 608-358-1309. Call me or send me a text. I would love to have an opportunity to talk to you about your faith. Now for our benediction, which is a covering of God's grace until we meet again. This is what the Lord says. At just the right time, I will respond to you, and on the day of salvation, I will help you. May our, governance, our covenant of God's protection, guidance, and salvation be with you henceforth, now, and forevermore. Let us all say,